This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again here on Changing Channels. As the lady said, I'm Larry Walsh, and of course, this is yet another fake background. Um, one thing that we talk about frequently on changing channels is the, the transition of the entire technology market to subscriptions. Now, it's not trivial to say that this is something that is just happening in pockets. It is happening everywhere. The cloud companies showed us how to do this, and now every vendor is seemingly trying to figure out their way of being able to go to market through a sales model based on subscriptions or some form of recurring revenue or consumption model. Now, this is not an easy transition. We get a lot of questions about it here at Channelnomics. A lot of companies are trying to figure out how to do it and also how to do it in the least painful fashion. So we decided to bring in a company that is, you know, still in my worldview, still relatively young but also going through the same transition because they did start off as a hardware company, data centric, data center centric, and but now looking to capitalize and, and grow into the channel with the subscription model. And that, of course, is Pure Storage, one of the leaders in flash storage. And joining us is Andy Martin, the VP of Global Partner Sales at Pure Storage. So Andy, welcome to Changing Channels. Thank you, Larry, very much. I really appreciate it and appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and, and your audience today. Yeah. So, Andy, why don't we start by just talking a little bit about what you're doing at Pure? Is that earlier this year you unveiled this the new changes to your channel program that is that's that are designed to facilitate this transition to subscriptions? What is Pure doing, and why is it why is it focusing in on the subscription model through the channel? Yeah. Thanks. Great question. And I, I was actually listening to your introduction. If I could, I just want to make a quick comment because one of the differences with Pure. Um, since I've been with the company, I've been here roughly seven years. As you know, Pure's about a 12-year-old company to date, a leader, obviously, in this space. But um, Pure's always been a subscription model. If you step back and look at Evergreen Storage, um, Evergreen is truly a subscription-based model. You know, it's not maintenance. It's really, you know, software add-ons, all those other things. So our partners have seen that. What you're seeing now is a wholesale shift. And that's really what you're describing, which is yeah. you know, use cases, it's changing the acquisition method, and therefore the partner community is adapting. So for us, it's really just an extension. And what you saw earlier, um, the year we made changes to our program and we launched you know, new, new products within Pure was really an extension of an existing subscription business today. And that is Pure as a service. Because you and I have been doing this for a long time. And if you think about it, you know, for 20, 25 years, people have been uh, selling uh, consumption-based models that are really leases, that are really balloon payments. And this is really a shift today. What we're seeing today is truly a shift in, in you know, customers and how they buy and how they acquire. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because you're right. They said, and, and thank you for correcting me on, because Pure has been selling this way, but it is, as you described, a wholesale shift. And you have seen this before in terms of companies selling on leases or what they, the early terms of devices as a service, which is more of installment payments attached to hardware. Right. Uh, but a lot of it before was maintenance, uh, maintenance and support subscriptions. And it seems as though a lot uh, that this is really just a transition to get the customer to more of a 
auto renew state that this is no longer optional for them that this is going to be this is the way that they're going to consume everything from the from the initial product acquisition through the life cycle of the use is that about correct yeah you know it's a great point and and and, and you know what i would say is you know customers today the hyperscalers have really changed the dynamic and you know customers now you know don't want to make acquisitions like they were making 10 or 15 years ago, which says, hey, um, I'm going to take a guess of how much storage I need, how much compute I need. Um, you know, being able to actually turn the faucet on or lower the faucet or, you know, turn the faucet off. And true consumption is very meaningful today to the end user. And so how do the partners adapt to that? It's very, very challenging for a traditional VAR that's been selling hardware their entire, you know, life. And all of a sudden now it's about use cases. It's about, you know, adding managed services around that. It could be selling managed services. So, you know, when we looked at it, we basically said, hey, we've got these best of breed products and services. We've got this world-class partner program. As you know, we're 100% partner centric. We're not partner friendly. That is our go-to-market, right? We don't do direct business. And so the market is adapting. So how can we provide a vehicle to allow our partners to you know, adapt to this new model. And that's when we introduce Pure as a Service. And think about if you're a customer today and you talk to a partner today and you say, hey, I want to acquire storage. I don't know, you know how much storage I need today. I don't even know where I want to run it. We now have the ability as a partner to say, hey, you can start with 50 terabytes. You can run it on-prem. You can run it in the cloud. You can move it back and forth each month. I can wrap my services around that. I can wrap software around that. I can wrap compute around that. It truly is a different way to go to market and it's really consumption. And the differences between the leases and all those things you mentioned is I always tell people, look at the exit options. Look at what happens at the end of the agreement. And then you'll really know if it's truly consumption. Right. So what role do your partners play? You talked about the adjustment that they have to make from their traditional models. So what role does the partner play going forward in this? Because I want to get into the economics of this in a moment. But there is a, an entirely different points of emphasis in the partner relationship under these models than we've had before. This is really more about what we, ta- what we describe as the customer experience or the customer success, which influences whether or not that they're going to remain engaged. So what role does the partner play now in facilitating that outcome? Yeah, so let's just step back from it. And this is my opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion on this. But I've, you know, we've held multiple partner advisory councils this year at Pure around the globe. And consistently, we hear themes from our partner community. And that is that, one, the worldwide pandemic has basically accelerated a move to cloud. And that's an opportunity for our partner community, right? The second part is that as customers are looking for partners to provide you know, cloud and managed service consulting. They're looking for experts in this field to help them because they don't have the expertise on-prem. The other thing we're seeing is that, you know, the traditional resellers that we talked about that are just selling hardware is really challenging. So we're seeing a lot of acquisition. We're seeing a lot of mergers in the partner space. We're seeing, you know, um, just a spree happening, again, around the globe. And then the last is I would tell you is that um, the the... The partners that are viewing this as an opportunity, if you can hold the monthly recurring revenue, the annual subscription invoice, that is really the keys to the castle. It becomes very sticky for a partner. 
you know, the ability for them to wrap their services, their managed services, et cetera, around that and get a recurring monthly invoice, just like the hyperscalers are doing, by the way, is a major opportunity for those partners that they're able to do that. So, you know, what we're seeing is that we've got the technology that truly allows this. Many of our traditional VARs now can build managed service offerings. As a matter of fact, we're doing some things uh, with our, uh, you know, meeting the channel with our, our alliances and with other partners to provide that to our, our partners to allow them to resell, whether it's back up in the cloud, whether it's ransomware today, for example, it's huge as you, you know, you read about this. So it's a significant opportunity for those partners, but really um, the, the recurring monthly invoice is, is keys to the castle. How do you define what a managed service opportunity is for your partners? Because what we're seeing, and this is even true of hardware companies, it's easy to say the, the, the cloud companies retain more control over the service delivery and the customer experience, but hardware is still hardware. How it gets consumed, how it gets sold is a little bit different, but what are the opportunities that you are enabling? How do you define a managed service that your partners can actually capitalize on in the way you're describing? Yeah, and by the way, it also gets expensive as you and I both know, yeah. right? If you yeah. think it's there, right? The bill, we, we're, look, we participate in using hyperscalers as a company. So we know mm-hmm. just the same. So, and also um, many, you know, where the data re- should reside is really a customer-based decision, right? And it could be in multiple places potentially. And so what we're hearing is stop talking about hardware, pure, talk about use cases, talk about business outcomes. It's not about bits and bytes anymore. And, you know, many of our competitors like to continue to talk about, you know, scale up, scale down. For us, it's SLA. It's seven nines of reliability. It's a use cases. So really what you have is the ability to do almost anything. And what I mean by that, I don't mean to make it sound glib, but what I'm trying to say there is it could be um, a backup opportunity with a backup provider on pure storage where the customer wraps their, the partner, sorry, wraps their services around that and other things around that. It could be security added onto that. It could be, um, you know, anything related to an as a service requirements. You know, Cisco is entering that space as well. You saw that, right? We have many customers that are selling our, you know, our, um, you know, flash array combined with compute and network, et cetera. And so, um, it really is an opportunity for that partner. And remember now, we hold title. So we don't pass title because it is an as-a-service. So it takes the, the, the capital requirement for our partners. It makes it much lower for them to get into this game. So that's why yeah. I say traditional. We're seeing many traditional uh, value-added resellers become, you know, offer managed services now. And it's really, you know, our, our partners are very skilled at doing this for many, many years. Right. They have been selling services and security and all those things we're talking about for many years. So they're really good at this. This gives them a lower cost of entry to get into this game um, and you know, provide a tier one service offering now. Yeah. But in, when you start putting things, you know, expectations and outcomes defined as SLAs for someone who's been used to selling and slinging boxes yeah. as opposed to talking around five nines of reliability. That is, that is really a steep transition. What is Pure doing to help its partners actually understand what it means to deliver an effective service-based model, not even just a managed service, but a service-based model that does lead into that managed service opportunity? 
It's a really excellent point. So step back for a second, just as a sales leader, right? I mean, it is hard to make this shift. And by the way, think if you're a sales rep or a partner sales rep, it's no different. Um, you know, a dollar's worth more today than, than tomorrow or next month. And so if you look at a CapEx deal, everybody gets paid 30 days from now versus three years over time. And so you're absolutely right. It, it's difficult for Pure, by the way, to make this change. And so one of the things we've always done as a company is, um, our go-to-market, right, because of the, the culture is, again, 100% channel is whatever training and education and development we do internally, we do with our partner community. There is no difference. So all of the, you know, training, all of the education, all of the how to sell subscription, all of those things is exactly duplicated for our partner community. It is no different. So we're not looking at we're going to train us one way and our partners another way. So um, it, it is a, um, it's a challenge, but it's an opportunity. And I think there's some very progressive partners out there that understand this, that see this. And again, most of them have been doing services for a long time, but the biggest challenge here is compensation in my opinion, yeah. right? I mean, everyone is coin operated in the field. All of our partner AEs are, our, our traditional OEM AEs are, AEs are. So it's really about, you know, how and in our world, if you look at our partner program, we've tried to build a program both on the front end and back end that compensates both the partner and the entity where they are not penalized. As a matter of fact, they actually make more money by selling as a service. And so that's what we've tried to do to help. So training, education, as well as a program that supports it. What you can't have is a program that says if you sell CapEx, you make a tremendous amount of more money as a partner than as a service, right? It just it's conflicting. You have to have a consistent motion. Well, so since you brought up the compensation issue, let's dive into that because the economics are different that you don't necessarily, you know, you're right. A dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow, but the entire, the entire model, the entire services and consumption based model is based around a dollar tomorrow or put more, more succinctly, it's based around a quarter tomorrow and then another quarter and then another quarter and another quarter until you have a dollar, a dollar 25, a dollar 50. We hear this from the vendor side all the time is that there's this, this avoidance or this, you know, they sort of like they're, the vendors are seeking their own Northwest passage is that they want to see the benefits that come from the recurring revenue from that OPEX model, but they don't want to go through that trough, that transition period where they're going to, they're, they're going to recognize less revenue today right. in hopes that it's going to be based on future bookings. It will actually not only catch up with itself, but surpass itself. How, how do you describe that process to your partners and do your partners suffer from that same challenge? Everyone is suffering from the challenge, you, you just, I mean, I don't think you could have made it more succinct. That is how you just described that is the challenge. But I will tell you that, you know, put yourself in the customer's shoes. So doing an as a service transaction, typically, I said, you know, everybody's situation is different, but typically mm -hmm. costs more than a CapEx transaction. And it costs more because you have increased flexibility, right? You have the ability to turn up, turn down. So it is more expensive than a traditional CapEx solution, but it gives you a tremendous flexibility. So if you're a partner, right, the, the challenge is if you are in the business long-term, if you are here for, if you're not chasing a comp plan and you're gonna go somewhere every 12 months, which I think is very tiring and you're building a career and a brand as a partner AE, right? This is a fantastic opportunity for you because you know what's happening, you know what's coming, you have customers that are built in. It's no different, Larry, if I step back for a second and I wanna just talk about Evergreen, when we first introduced the flash array, 
you know, it was you buy the flash array and you use it forever. And the partner said, well, wait a minute, we don't get the tech refresh anymore. And we said, you're right, but you get the subscription. Evergreen is a subscription. So you get that customer for life. And when partners started to figure that out, they said, wow, this actually makes sense. This is exactly the same thing now, but on the acquisition side. And so it's not easy. I don't want to kid you. I don't want to sit here and say it's magical. It's easy. So again, that's why we said, one, it's a philosophy. Two, it's a, if you're looking for long-term building a business, building a book of business, et cetera, and all those things that make you sticky, it's much better for the partner AE and the partner entity. And that's why what we try to do is supplement the other pieces with our partner program. And it has to be simple and it has to be efficient. And I'll give you an example. We introduced um, a pure as a service entity rebate globally about two months ago, three months ago. By the way, it's our fastest rebate ever in the history of our company. And um, that was entity-based and it was it's 5% back end for any elite partner on any pure of service opportunity. So I was being I was doing some press in the UK and they asked me to describe the rebate and I just shared it just like I shared with you. And they said, well, that's it. And I said, yeah. And they go, it's that simple. And I said, it's that simple. It's not filled with 50 pages of what you have to do to attain it and get it. It has to be achievable. And so again, we've tried to keep it simple on both the front and back end and make it achievable. And so when you sit down and you look at the total economics of a transaction, right? And as a service transaction done with Pure for our partner community over the lifetime of that contract is far, far uh, more beneficial for both the partner AE and the entity than it is doing a CapEx deal. Yeah, That doesn't change the fact that we've all been doing CapEx for our entire lives. And that's what we've been trained to know, right? Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that that partners will talk about and that's this, I'm not pointing a finger at Pure, but it does happen with with other companies is that the shift to services and the consumption based model also sometimes brings a shift in the economics where more of the more of the profitability burden is put on the partner to perform, meaning that they, you know, as you've said a couple of times, they get to add on their own services. Well, sometimes those services aren't as lucrative or they're harder to produce from the, uh, the partner. It sounds as though you've taken that into consideration and balanced it out. Yeah, actually, when I'm referring to the profitability, I'm not even talking about their services. That's above and beyond. I'm talking about pure to pure. So I'm not even adding that in. I totally agree with your comments. And so it's actually even more lucrative is what I would say. I'm focused on. So so when we look at as a service today, it's really in just another way to acquire pure storage. Right. So it's not this. It's basically saying we're seeing a demand in the marketplace from both our customers, our prospects and our partners. So this is a vehicle to allow our partners to acquire the technology. It's not we're still selling CapEx. We're still doing operating leases. We're still doing, you know, it's just another thing in the sales kit. Now that may change over time, depending on what the customer demand is and the market demand is what our partners ask for, but that's how we view it. But I'm not including anything from a benefits perspective on their own services, their margin, because candidly, I don't know how they're doing it and what they're, that's their business. But to me, that's add on and even more significant. Right. Something that partners do look for is help with that business development. So within the subscription model, it, this well, I should say the subscription model is dependent on two things for success, customer acquisition and customer retention. And so, and Pure does do demand generation and does do this with its partners. So what, how do you effectively help develop this book of business with your partners? How do you do this equitably across your partners as well? 
Yeah, so as you know, um, and I know you know this really well, we're a value-based program. So it's not just about bookings. It's not if you're the largest in the world and you book, you get better. You know, It's really about what you invest in us, we invest with you. And so there's a few things we do. We have a formal leads pass program. So we do have a tremendous amount of marketing. We have a inside sales organization that actually we're expanding in Q3, second half that in, internally, uh, growing that internationally. And so we are generating a tremendous amount of uh, marketing, you know, qualified leads, you know, uh, typical demand gen leads. And so we actually have a formal leads pass program. And again, I don't want you to think it's, hey, this is great, Pure is just handing leads. We do that selfishly for a minute. So I can go to a partner and say, hey, we've passed you 40 leads. Have you brought us anything? Right, we actually, it's currency. Right. It's actually our currency. And actually, we track our sales aids. And again, this comes down to the culture of the company because we really do all of our business for the partners. We have sales teams, you know, fighting for our partners. You don't typically see that in OEMs. You typically see the deal's getting aggressive, Larry. We should take it direct. That's what we see. By the way, that's my heritage, right? My previous companies where I came from, right? And it's not, that's just the nature of doing business. In our world, it's about, hey, I'm forming a relationship with my partners in the field. Let's go do business together. I'm going to pass you 10 leads. Can you bring us into one? Because here's the deal. We may be large, but we are, our partners are far larger than we are, right? We, may, we have a few hundred sellers globally. Our partners have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of sellers. Our partners installed accounts are net new logos for Pure. They have easier access to them than we do. So it, it benefits us to share those leads, to bring them into new accounts so they will bring us into their new accounts. And candidly, especially with what's happened over the last year and a half, it was much easier for existing business than that new business, right? Because of yeah. good travel, you can't get in front of anybody. Nobody wanted to take a risk. Nobody yeah. wanted to change during this time. So that's really our culture of that. So we, we have a formal leads passing program. We literally track it live every day. I can pull up the data and I can actually pull up by individual AE at Pure. And I can say how many they've passed, how many and the district managers play a role in that, the regional sales managers. So it's actually measured and tracked. And so, and again, we when there's success and great things, the partners love that as well. We have partners saying, how do I get into the leads pass program? How do I work? And it's really just a field-based, you know, shoulder to shoulder, go to market. Yeah. So, and actually, I want to mention one other thing you were talking about on our last question. I apologize. I just forgot to mention it, but about making it easier for partners on the subscription base. One of the other things we did uh, recently this year is we waived insolvency for our partners, taking that risk burden off of them and putting it on us um, in order to help them, you know, because think about it, right? If they do a whole bunch of as a service transactions, all of a sudden they have a potential economic challenge on their plate, credit issues and all those other things. So we actually waived insolvency as well to help the partner community. So did you see, so you said two things and, and it, it sounds as though both were born out of the pandemic, not just the risk involved in it, but did you see the, the number of leads coming opportunities coming out of the partners that uh, from their existing accounts increase over the course of the last year because of the pandemic conditions that prevented us from traveling? No, we actually hold fairly steady, believe it or not. And I can't tell you why. I can just tell you it's, it's fairly steady with, um, with the leads we passed. And what we call the leads we get back, we call that partner-sourced business, Pure. Mm -hmm. We okay. actually have a global metric. We don't share that externally, but we have a global metric 
at Charlie Giancarlo's level, my boss, Dominic Delfino at the CRO, and we have a vested interest. So, so we can actually measure how it's working because we want to we want to overinvest in those partners that are bringing us business as well. And so, no, I would tell you that for whatever reason, it actually held firm um, with you know what we gave and what they gave to us. Okay. And did you have a problem with insolvency? Because what this is also another complaint that we hear from partners is that a lot of this burden, the subscription burden, or the the risk that comes from subscription burden gets passed on to the partners because okay. you're the one called, they're the ones holding the contract. And if the partner, if the customer doesn't pay, they still have to pay. Right. Not only are they holding the contract, but they don't have title to the gear. Yeah. So just wrap your head around that one, right? So that's, no, we waived it. We actually, again, we're entering the space. Um, it's, it's, it, I don't want to say it's new to us, but one of the things we try and do is be extremely flexible and extremely simple. We heard the same complaint, so we fixed it. Yeah. It's that so, I mean, we, we need our partners. Here's what I always tell my team. We want to be the partner of choice. So what do I mean by that? When a partner go, rep goes into an account and they uncover an opportunity, they could go partner with anyone. So why partner with Pure? We want to be the partner of choice. So we have to make it simple. We have to make the engagement with us. We have to, you know, as easy to do business with. They have to enjoy the experience. Everything has to work. <laughs> Products have to be exceptional. But the experience and how to do business with us. Because at the end of the day, everyone's buying the same components, right? And so yeah. it's interaction with us. And we take that interaction extremely seriously. We take our MPS store extremely seriously. And so one of the things, again, we consistently hear from our partner community is, please don't be like everybody else. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, um, you know, we, we want the interaction to be like it is because it's easy, it's simple, and the products work really, really well. So last question for you, Andy, what <laughs> advice would you give to a peer that's going through the same process of trying to transition from the traditional transactional model to a subscription-based model? Yeah, I, I think it's harder than people think. I think people think it's easy. And I, again, I'm going to go back to you. I'm going to steal your description actually and use it. I'll credit you because I think you explained it beautifully. But I think it starts with your own organization. And what I mean by that is if, um, if your organization is not partner-centric or focused on the partners and the well-being of the partners, it's going to be very difficult because the easy button is to take these as a service deals direct. It actually makes it less complicated. And again, that's not our go to market, right? You don't have an insolvency issue if you don't do things through the partner. You, you know, and again, you're not passing title, right? So, so it, you know, all of our all of our transactions. So I would say you should focus on your organization and your programs and really, really focus on what's in it for the partner. Right. What's the benefit of the partner? You know, everyone thinks about a new product, a new widget. This is great for the customer. But what's in it for the partner? Right. We have to be thinking about why you want to be the partner of choice. And it's really hard. It's really hard to do. I think um, I'm fortunate. My predecessor and the founders of Pure thought about this long before, much smarter than I am. And so they built this foundation and it's, it's burned into our culture. So I would tell you to focus internally on that as you launch things like this, because everyone's going to have a product. It's all going to be marketing, right? It's all going to be, everyone has an as a service. They're all the same, just like everyone had an evergreen, even though everyone really didn't have an evergreen solution, right? And so the partners recognize this and they recognize the value of, hey, if I sell a pure array every three years, they get a new pure array. And I get the subscription. I don't have to go do a takeout. These partners have recognized the value of this. Yep. 
So. Yeah, you know, you know, I think that like increasingly we really are living in a services-based world, a subscription-based world. It's just a matter, you know, it, it, this is what I tell people, stop fighting the battle and trying to find balance, really just chart your chart the course forward. That's the only thing that's left to do. Uh, so, I mean, and Andy Martin, the vice president of global partner sales at Pure Storage, you are an example of how to do this well. And I think you guys are doing a bang up job of it. So, you know, I appreciate you coming on Changing Channels to share your insights and your experiences with it. Larry, thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. I look forward to seeing you again. And thanks. Have a great day. And that's about all the time we have, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing Channels. We look forward to having you back again next time. Until then, just keep on selling. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of and Changing Channels is copyright by 2112 Enterprises, LLC.